Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Kenitra Bryant and today's motivational aim targets turned tables. I want to thank you all for joining me for another series entitled Boomerang. This series was inspired by a Bible plan I wrote some years ago and I wanted to take the time to expound on this Bible plan so that I can encourage listeners that we are victorious victors, not victims. Everyone is either gearing up for battle Resting in battle, entering a battle, leaving a battle, about to go into another one. And in each battle we face, depending on who we seek guidance from as it relates to the battle plans, we have an advantage if we are children of God. And although we experience battles in life, sometimes more than one battle at a time, God has truly worked all things out for our good. And that means the sum total of every experience, every battle, every situation you've encountered, God will work it out for your good. Now, as God is working it all out for your good, I will be the first to testify not all battles of life and experiences of life feel good. Matter of fact, some of the very things God is working out for your good don't feel good. They don't look good. They don't sound good. And to be honest, sometimes you might want to hurry up and get over it, out of it, away from it, to progress on to the next thing. But never forget, God has a way of turning the tables at just the right time in your life. This series will focus primarily on God being your vindicator. Yes, there will be times your divine vindicator will advise you to make some moves in the battle plan that will benefit you. And there will be times God will advise you to wait, to rest, and patiently trust him as he vindicates you. Sometimes you get so amped up, ready to go, and you're ready for God to vindicate you because you know God is going to set the situation straight. And you could be ready because you are anticipating God to set those people straight too. Then there's situations where... God is still your vindicator, but you're so emotionally taxed because you're waiting for God to get the job done. You feel like he's taking too long because if it's going to take this long, I mean, I've been itching to get my hands on this situation. God, can I go ahead and, you know, do it? And he let you know, no, sit, wait. And then there might be some situations or some times where you feel As if God totally forgot about vindicating you. Because we often base things on our limited knowledge, our limited understanding, and on the things that we can see happening. And if God, the divine vindicator, is not moving in the direction we think is right, most likely it's not. And it would be best that we take his lead, trust him, And ask him for wisdom in the battle plan. And we need to continuously pray to him on what to do and cast every care on him. Because God, he can take it. Now this is the general targeted aim for this entire series. Okay. Now as I stated previously, today's motivational aim targets turned tables. And this has probably happened to you in some way, shape, or form, or you've witnessed someone go through this or heard about somebody going through this. 
And that is a person who is living their life the best way they know how. This person is serious about doing the best that they can in everything they set their hands to. So they strive for excellence in their personal life, their professional life, their relationship with God, as well as their personal God-honoring goals. Now, this person is social, but they keep to themselves. They aim to do the right thing. They aren't striving to be good. They're just aiming to live a life that's pleasing to God. And although mistakes happen, they bounce back and move forward. They respect people and authority. They respect those around them. And everybody who knows them or who has interacted with them, they understand that they love God and they know where they stand as it relates to their beliefs and their relationship with Jesus Christ. And let's say you know this because of how they carry themselves and they aren't going out preaching to every object or person. You can just tell based off of their life and how they radiate a light of love, respect, honor, and God-honoring values where people can just see that shining within them. So let's say that they're at work and they're excelling. The boss is pleased with their work. The co-workers have no complaints about them. People do what they need to do. There's no drama when they're around. But one day, a new employee comes into the work environment. And this new employee who was transferred to this position within the company, they have a higher ranking position than the person who is aiming to live a righteous life. And the higher ranking new employee sees that the boss really takes an interest in this person. But instead of the new employee respecting this person, they begin antagonizing them. They know they believe in Jesus so they set up traps for this person to put them in compromising situations to choose wickedness over righteousness in an attempt to make them fold. But the person chooses righteousness every time and they reject the trash that the new employee is throwing their way. And this angers the new employee because they want attention and they want to make this person look so bad so they are in a fight Okay, but they really in a fight with themselves. So they just start doing things to bring this person down. They start invoking these smear campaigns, enlisting flying monkeys and flunkies to destroy this person's character. Um, they seek to destroy this person's personal property. They lie on them to the boss and coworkers. Then they play the victim. I mean, they do everything they possibly can to make this person look bad and for this person to bow down to them. Now, what if you are this person who is aiming to live a decent, God-honoring life? You're not perfect, but you're just aiming to live a decent, God-honoring life. You're trying to make good decisions, right decisions, righteous decisions, and this happens to you. And I'm pretty sure I struck a nerve because... I believe all of you can relate with this in some way, shape, or form. And it might not be a co-worker who is antagonizing you, but it could be a family member, a fake friend, a boss, a classmate, peer, loved one, the person who's checking you out at the grocery store, stylist, neighbor, church member, transportation driver, 
sales clerk, a living person on this earth just seeking to antagonize you. It could be anyone, but you're just minding your business and they feel the need to bother you, to harass you, to disrespect you. And they just have to have control over you. And they can't sleep until they gain control and you bow down to them. How do you handle situations like that? Especially if it's going on longer than a day. What if you've experienced an issue like this for years with one person or several people? And it's been going on for years, weeks, months, days. What do you do? Do you just let these people disrespect you? No. Sometimes we can mess ourselves up because God was going to deal with somebody in a greater way, but we circumvent their lesson and God's correction by picking it up and telling somebody off or we make a premature attempt where we want to forcefully lay hands upon them in an unholy way. And God didn't authorize us to do that. I'll be the first to say it can be tough at times when you are dealing with the person who makes it their aim to disrespect you, your loved ones, your dreams, or even the assignment God has you on. But we all must remember that God sees, God knows, and God can turn it all around for your good even though it's not good happening to you right now. If we visit the word of God, we can find an account where a person waited on God to vindicate them, and God turned the tables. The boomerang came with much force, and it ultimately worked out for the person, or should I say persons or people, who aimed to keep God first in their lives. So to give you some context... Scripture reveals the story of Esther and her cousin Mordecai. I encourage you all to read the entire book of Esther, but Esther is now queen. And her husband, the king, honors a man named Haman and gives him a high-ranking official position. With this new position comes new perks. One perk was that the entire royal staff at the king's gate bowed down and paid respect to Haman because the king had commanded this be done for him. Now, Haman walks by everyone, expecting everyone to be bowing down, but he didn't see Mordecai bowing down, and this angered Haman. See, Haman was worried about the wrong thing. All those people were bowing down to him, but he focused on the one that wasn't. It angered him. And Mordecai didn't bow. Even when people asked him, hey man, why you not bow down to Haman? Mordecai didn't bow down. He did this day after day. Every time Haman passed by, he just didn't bow down. And he didn't allow anyone to persuade him to bow down. So he stood his ground and he kept it moving. And when Haman found out that Mordecai was a Jew, he didn't want to not only get rid of Mordecai, He wanted to exterminate the entire race because that one person didn't bow down to him. So Haman goes and converses with the king and executes an order to destroy and kill all the Jewish people and plunder their possessions. So not only is Mordecai alarmed, you have everyone who is a Jew looking like, what just happened? Mordecai informs his cousin what Haman did 
and his cousin is Queen Esther. So he tells Esther, you know, we need to get this situation straight. And she tells him there are certain protocols she has to follow with the king. Although the king's her husband, she has to do things in an orderly way. So they spread the word that every Jew needs to fast for three days to seek the direction of God because the Jews' lives are in danger because according to Haman's plan, he wants the Jews exterminated on a particular date, but God came through for them. So Esther and the rest of the Jews were praying and fasting, and then Queen Esther has the opportunity to converse with the king and then she invites the king and Haman to a banquet. So Haman is thinking he's the bomb because the queen invited him to a banquet, not just for one day, but she invited him to a banquet two days in a row. Haman is bragging. He's feeling good about himself because he is in a high position. He's rubbing elbows with the king and the queen. And, and then God came through with the boomerang for Haman. See, the very night... When Queen Esther held the first banquet, the king could not sleep. So we have a lot of things working here. Queen Esther is getting ready to hold another banquet for the king and Haman, and she has a reason for doing what she's doing. The king is restless. He can't get any sleep. Mordecai is somewhere, I believe, praying to God to vindicate him and the entire Jewish race. And then we have Haman, the hater. He's restless because he wants Mordecai killed. This is all going on simultaneously in a sense. And God was turning tables, even when it didn't seem like God was turning tables. So as I just mentioned, the king couldn't sleep. So he had someone read him the book recording daily events that went on in his kingdom. Now he possibly didn't want to hear what went on but he just needed something to make him go to sleep. It's kind of similar to when a person is sleepy and they wake up in the middle of the night and they just turn the TV on. They're not really trying to watch a show. They're just turning something on just to make him go to bed. So that's kind of what happened. He was looking for some boring reading material. But it just so happened that God came through with this particular event that was recorded that the king needed to hear on this particular day at this particular time. God is so awesome because a servant opened the book and a report came up of how Mordecai, the one Haman once killed, Mordecai exposed a plot of two workers within the kingdom on how they were planning to assassinate the king. So we can only imagine the king's reaction. First, he probably was sleepy. Then he woke up and was like, hey, what, what happened? Somebody was plotting on me? Were they caught? We dealt with them, right? I mean, what did we do to them? Oh, okay, so that's recorded. Okay, cool. So what happened with Mordecai? When did this happen? What? Five years ago. And he's still serving me? And I didn't thank him? For what he did to me? Oh, man. He is a loyal, faithful servant. I let five years pass and I didn't honor Mordecai? Wow, I need to honor him. This must be done without delay. 
And as the king is thinking about this and talking about what he could do for Mordecai, old boy Haman walks in boldly looking for the king. And now I'm going to read Esther, the sixth chapter in the first through the 14th verse. That night, sleep escaped the king, so he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought and read to the king. They found the written report of how Mordecai had informed on Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, who guarded the entrance when they planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus. The king inquired, What honor and special recognition have been given to Mordecai for this act? The king's personal attendants replied, Nothing has been done for him. The king asked, Who is in the court? Now Haman was just entering the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. The king's attendants answered him, Haman is there, standing in the court. Have him enter, the king ordered. Haman entered, and the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king wants to honor? Haman thought to himself, Who is it the king would want to honor more than me? Haman told the king, For the man the king wants to honor, have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn, and a horse the king himself has ridden, which has a royal crown on its head. Put the garment and the horse under the charge of one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor. Parade him on the horse through the city square and proclaim before him, This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. The king told Haman, Hurry and do just as you proposed. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave out anything you have suggested. So Haman took the garment and the horse. He clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, crying out before him, This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried off for home, mournful, and with his head covered. Haman told his wife, Zeresh, and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai is Jewish, and you have begun to fall before him, you won't overcome him, because your downfall is certain. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. So you heard it straight from the word of God, and you saw how God turned the tables. Haman really thought the world of himself, and God turned the tables on him. Now when you read... Esther the seventh chapter, you will see that Haman and his family were hit with boomerangs all over the place. And the boomerangs are God's vindication for his children. The boomerangs represent the harvest from the evil seeds people planted in your life. And the boomerangs represent reminders letting us know that God's got us. And although people seek to take you out, mock you, put you down, stomp on you, reject you, and disrespect you. God knows how to deal with every hater, every Haman, every adversary you encounter. God has the power to turn the tables where your haters, your foes, your enemies, they end up following God's design 
to put you and keep you on top. I believe the lesson here is that we must seek God before we act because our emotions, if they're not properly checked, they will have us justifying actions that God didn't confirm or authorize us to do. God will tell us what to do, but we have to be willing to do what he says. We have to be willing to follow his lead and trust in his vindicating power. So when you read the entire book of Esther, you will see how God came through and vindicated them in a way that only God could. God's vindicating power was so evident that you had some people who were saying that they believed in God because they saw his power. They weren't believers, but they didn't want to feel that wrath. And yes, it is easier said than done to follow God, but we should aim to follow God without hesitation. Not only when things are going great, but when things are upside down. We must trust that God will vindicate us no matter what. God already promised us in Galatians, the 6th chapter, in the 7th through the ninth verse, to not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So, if God said that, it's not only true for us in the pleasant seasons, it's true for us in the challenging seasons as well, when our enemies sow the wrong things in our lives. It's not a game. It is real. What people throw at you, it will come back on them like a boomerang and we reap what we sow more than we sow later than we sow and I don't say this disrespectfully as if I want somebody or I'm wishing for somebody's downfall but I'm just saying this as a reminder that we all reap what we sow no matter what it is whether it's positive or negative nobody's getting away with anything They might get by for a time, but the truth always reveals itself, no matter how long it takes. God is our everlasting vindicator. People might try to hide stuff, withhold information, do somebody wrong, do somebody dirty. They don't get the punishment due to them at that moment, but it doesn't mean that God didn't see it, and it doesn't mean that God's word is not going to be activated and executed in a person's life. We all reap what we've sown, point blank, period. And I hope you're encouraged to go through another day knowing that God is your vindicator. And it doesn't matter how a person's vile attacks come on you or come towards you. God can turn the tables where you might feel like you're on the bottom. Just remember, God already promised that you're on top. So... Never forget that while you're praying to God, God hears you, God sees you. It might seem like nothing is working out or nothing's happening, but it could be several things God has aligned for your purpose to answer your prayers while he's vindicating you. And this could all be going on at the same time. So never forget that. And one more point I want to leave you with is when you read the entire book of Esther, you will notice that God's name is not mentioned, but you will see clearly, clearly 
how God turned several tables around throughout the duration of this story. And where God was not mentioned or made reference to, this can serve as an indicator that when we go through things and it appears that God is silent, it doesn't mean that he is. God could be turning and he is turning the tables around for your favor. And God is vindicating you. And what the enemy meant for evil is working out for your good. So I hope that encourages you. And I advise you and recommend that you read the entire book of Esther and ask God to show you his vindicating power in the story and how his vindicating power is operating in your life right now, even when things make no sense whatsoever. And the scripture I would like to leave you with is Galatians, the sixth chapter and the seventh through the ninth verse. And I'm going to read it to you again. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I believe you already know why I selected this scripture as an encouraging reminder. But to reiterate what I've just said, that is to never forget that God sees what your haters are doing. He knows what your foes are up to. He sees people intentionally and purposefully doing things to cut you down, tear you down, make you bow down, abuse you, and abuse opportunities. He sees people interfering with your positions and your relationships. And God is your vindicator and he can turn the tables. Haman and Mordecai, they are not the only scriptural references where God turned the tables. There are several found in the Bible. And I believe if you take a moment to think about your life and think about the situations that you've experienced, you can see in hindsight where God turned the tables for you and you should thank him for it. Jesus is the perfect, ultimate account of God turning the tables. And we benefit from that. And we're blessed. So never forget. I know I keep saying never forget. But please never forget. But don't be deceived about what you can see and what you can't see. Just know that God is working it out. And you will see the manifestation of God's vindicating, turning table, boomeranging power in your life <laughs> so be encouraged stay in faith trust god and thank him in advance for the boomerang thanks for tuning in visit drkenitrabryant.com to download the boomerang devotional on the site you can order inspirational apparel and you have the option to connect with me on instagram at aim towards the target I have a few Bible plans on the YouVersion Bible app you can check out. But for those who want to use the Bible plans as an individual or group Bible study, you can download those Bible plans from my website. Enjoy the remainder of your day. Peace and God bless.